he pulled me aside. He actually actually asked me, um, "Do you know of any, you know, chefs that aren't plant-based themselves? They still eat meat, but they specialise in plant-based cooking." And I was like, um, "I could potentially help." He's like, "Yeah, well, what experience do you have?" I'm like, um, "Well, I trained with Gordon Ramsay, and I spent about seven years working with Paul McCartney cooking plant-based food, and then just kind of dropped the mic." This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. It wasn't all that long ago that plant-based diets were mocked, especially in a restaurant or hospitality setting. Relegated to a fancy salad or pasta dish, the offerings were limited and never really taken seriously. But we all eat vegetables and most of us live lives not that far removed from plant-based diets as well as a swell of people realising the benefits of one. Scott Finlay is the executive chef of Flav Restaurants. Scott, how are you going? Yeah, good. Good. Thanks for having me. It's great to have you on the show. Plant-based uh, diets and, and restaurants seem far more commonplace now, but your whole career has kind of been in, in that realm. What's, what's it been like seeing the evolution and acceptance of it? Yeah, well, I, I, I first got into plant-based cooking uh, 2004 when I first started working with um, the first tour with Paul McCartney. Um, yeah, so I spent about seven <laughs> years. Yeah, he he was the one that got me into it um, at the start. Yeah. Well, well, take us back to to that time. Like, what what was it like for you as a chef um, being introduced to that and and opening your mind to that world? Well, yeah, I'd, I'd just done a couple of years working with um, with Gordon Ramsay in London, and um, that was very much, I guess, meat focused. Um, but yeah, I learned learned some amazing techniques and cooking with Gordon, um, and then went off to go do a world tour with um, Paul McCartney, who um, the tour was all plant based. So he was, um, yeah, he was plant based. His, um, his he would make his the whole crew eat plant based as well, um, but. Uh, yeah, Paul, saw, Paul saw, likes the taste and flavour and texture of meat and fish, so we had to recreate that using vegetables. And then you've got all the roadies that are, you know, solid meat eaters, so they're on the road for, you know, six months at a time, and they need they they need to uh, not compromise that flavour and texture, and just you still get the cravings. So it just satisfied them. Is, are there any stories or um, or even dishes that you created in that time that you can do tell us about? Yeah, there's hundreds. Um, yeah, for sure. Um, I mean, yeah, there's uh, a, a good recipe. Which, uh, there's a couple of recipes that's on the, on the Flav menu, which um, I created for Paul um, back in the day. Um, probably, yeah, probably one of the first ones was like a, a plant-based meatball. Um, yeah, Paul loves like, you know, the, the taste of like meatballs and burgers. And um, so I re- recreated an Italian-style meatball when I was in Italy in Rome. Um, yeah, it's just started with, yeah, just loads of, sauteed mushrooms and garlic and bound with hemp seeds and um, plant-based meat. And that recipe has kind of evolved um, since 2004. I keep adding different ingredients. And, um, yeah, the last time I worked with Paul, I think it was 2010, um, his wife Nancy actually asked for the recipe so she could make it from at home when I was in there. It's pretty cool. What was it like for you as a chef transitioning from that meat world? Um, were there challenges trying to explore the realms of just keeping to plant-based? Yeah, I mean, you're in a, a different country every day sometimes. Um, you're going through through Europe, you're, you're in Russia, um, you know, you can't really speak the language. You, you learn a few different words, but also, you know, you're looking at, you get, especially cooking plant-based, you've got all these 
products that are you know written in Russian, and you got to like go through every product and make sure there's no you know plant-based animal products. So you got to um, you know you got a translator going through everything just to make sure. And then once yeah, you go into the markets in Russia and you, you go into these amazing places and you just you've got a base kind of menu of what you're going to be cooking that day. But then you you go to the markets and see some amazing ingredients and it's just kind of really steady cook every day. Um, yeah, you'd go to the markets and then would have to design the kitchen. We'd design the kitchen every morning. Which, um, which would be backstage. Um, so unpack our ovens, set everything up, um, and then you yeah, cook breakfast, lunch, dinner, pack it all back down, uh, put it onto into the in, into the truck or, or, or go um, on the plane overseas and jump on the tour bus and uh, do it all over again. You lived a pretty amazing life for a period of time. I want to explore that uh, after this, but take us back to when you were young. What sort of role did food play in your family? Uh, I mean, mum's really good cook. Dad's great cook. Um, my my grandpa, um, oh, yeah, my grandpa and granddad were both really good cooks. But especially um, my mum's my mum's father, um, grandpa. He was uh, English, um, but yeah, an amazing cook. And made, like super, like yeah, he taught me a lot um, it, from a young age. Just uh, you're cooking in the kitchen, different dishes. Um, he's from Yorkshire in England, so the classic roasts and all that kind of, um, but yeah, he also taught me how to keep the, the kitchen clean and, you know, you, he'd, he'd be cooking all day, but by the end of the, the meal, everything, uh, just before he would serve up the meal, the whole dishes would be done. Um, but yeah, he taught me a lot. Um, and then, yeah, I guess kind of mum, kind of got, oh, mum and dad were both big travellers. They travel around the world for years. And I'm um, just, as a young kid, just looking through their photo albums and I was like, I want to travel. I want to go to Egypt. I want to go to these amazing places. And uh, mum's like, well, if you you need a job, you can travel. And um, I know you like cooking and um, people always need to eat. So if you get a job as a chef, you can get a job anywhere around the world. So that's when I got the the, the, the passion to be, um, yeah, to study as a chef and then, yeah, to get overseas. Well, take us back to the early years of uh, when you first started chefing. What were some of the real sort of uh, integral moments or influences on you? Um, yeah, I mean, I studied um, Napier, New Zealand. I did, did my uh, my chef course there, like a, a diploma in culinary arts. At the same time, I was working in a fine dining winery, uh, Salini Estate. So, yeah, it was, it was pretty full on during, you know, doing a full-time job and doing college compact and into two years. Um, but, yeah, pretty much as soon as I got my diploma, I went overseas. I went surfing in Bali for, for six weeks, and then, um, as you do, and then, yeah, moved to the Gold Coast, uh, worked there for a year in a restaurant in Tita Ave, and then um, yeah, uh, made my way over to London. Um, yeah. What was the uh, kitchen experiences like for you in London compared to what you were used to? It was yeah, it was pretty full on. It was like a, like like a war zone. I mean, I, I always wanted to work with Gordon Ramsay. Always talked about it. And, um, I first I first moved over, stayed with my grandparents for a couple of months. Uh, in Yorkshire, worked at a little pub there, and I got a bit bored and went down to London, decided uh, this is the place where I want to be, and saw Gordon was opening up a new restaurant, um, the Connaught Hotel in, in Mayfair. So, yeah, went in for, a, for an interview, and they said, come on board. We'll be building the kitchen for the next, uh, like, two months, but we'll put you at Claridge's for a few months while um, while we're building the kitchen. And, yeah, worked with um, some amazing chefs at, at, at Claridge's, worked with um, Josh Emmett, another Kiwi chef, Mark Sargent, uh, and then, yeah, Gordon was in the kitchen quite a bit as well. So, yeah, learned a lot there. And then we moved over to – well, I moved over to um, the Connaught, which was 
yeah, it was pretty full on doing an opening for one of Gordon's restaurants. You got you got the camera crew there filming a TV show. Um, the Colonel travel at the top for six weeks while we we're just yeah, just, it was just crazy. It was full on, but um, I learned a lot. I learned yeah, it was yeah. There aren't many people on the planet that don't know Gordon Ramsay, and they they know of. Uh, the fierceness of his kitchens in the past and a, and a bit of a hot head, but you've had personal experiences of working with him. Do you have any stories of, of what it's really like to work with Gordon and the impact he had on you? Yeah. I mean, it was all about the food being perfect and, you know, if the food's not perfect, it's, it's his name on the line. It's all, it's all, nothing's ever personal. Um, it's just that, you know, in the, in the heat of the moment, you got to get that, 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 the food up on time, it's got to be caramelized, it'll be cooked properly. Um, and if it's not, um, yeah, it hits the fan and, you know, ruins the whole service, slows everyone, everyone down. So, What were the sort of positives or benefits coming out of uh, a really busy kitchen and attention to detail like that? Yeah, I mean, it, it, it's speed. It's about the food being perfect. You know, it helped me with... I guess just with flavor, like how to, how to braise vegetables properly, how to caramelize and infuse flavors, texture, um, and just cooking everything perfectly. Like he, he taught me the real basics. Um, it was great to have that time with him in the kitchen. And, and back then he was actually in the kitchen quite a bit as well, which was, which was awesome to, to spend some time side by side and yeah, learning from the best. How did you become a private chef and um, tour with people like Sir Paul McCartney and Elton John and Madonna and Beyonce, all of these um, people touring the world? I was actually, uh, after the, the time with Gordon, I needed some time out. So um, me, and, me and seven friends, we uh, bought a big van and um, left London um, at the start of summer with about 75 of the vans and we drove around Europe for four months just to do some exploring and um, along that journey, I met a guy, Rowan Wills, who had just started working for this agency. It was basically um, an Australian lady, um, Kim Davenport, uh, started cooking, started, started making sandwiches for Paul McCartney back in the day, back in the 80s, and um, just formed this amazing catering company. Um, but yeah, he, um, he told me he just uh, was about to go on tour with Ben Harper, and he gave me a phone number. And I thought, man, maybe I could do that for just a few weeks um, just before I go, because I was meant to go back and work with Gordon. We were meant to go to New York and open up a restaurant there. But I thought maybe I'll just get, do, a, do a quick tour for a couple of weeks, uh, get some cash, and then go back to New York. Um, yeah, so I went in for an interview, um, did the MTV Music Awards in Scotland, and uh, things went really well there. And then um, I got asked to do the Beyonce tour. That was in the end of, uh, October 2003. Uh, yeah, so... I was like, why not? Can't can't turn that down. Well, you've you've cooked for um, flexitarians, Rihanna, Beyonce, Madonna, Elton John. Um, tell us a bit about what a flexitarian is, and do you have any stories of some of the things that you've cooked or experiences with these celebrities? Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. I mean, um, I guess flexitarians were, yeah, they. Um, Yes, yeah, so they they're not totally plant based, but you know they're 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 just trying to um, lower their meat intake. Um, yeah. yeah, I mean, um, yeah, working with Rod Stewart, he wasn't like a like a huge meat eater, but yeah, um, working with Pink, you know, should still eat a lot of plant based food as well. Do you have any um, stories you can share of um, of cooking for for any of these celebrities while you're on on tour and and what it was like? Yeah, yeah, I mean, um, yeah, well. One time when I, I I learned a dish which I first created for Rod Stewart, which is like a it's like a spicy tuna tatar and a rice cake. Um, I, I, it's a, I learned it from a, um, a restaurant that I went to in Denver, um, and then I actually got um, asked by Paul to make a 
a sushi buffet for 300 people when we were in Russia. <laughs> um, so that was like a, that was a plant-based um, yeah, sushi buffet for 300 people in Moscow. Um, so that's, um, yes, that's where I first created um, the tuna tatar, the plant-based tuna tatar, which is on the, on the flavor menu. Um, yeah, so it's a, I basically figured out how to make tuna using um, tofu and tomato, seaweed, beetroot powder, a lot of spices. Um, yeah. So just, yeah, it's just going to recreate the, the color, texture, flavor of, um, of fish, basically. Did you have much to do with these artists on a day-to-day basis when you're on tour with them? Yeah, yeah. I mean, like we were cooking there. Um, often, you know, they would often come in the afternoon. Uh, come, yeah, they they'd come into the into the kitchen. Like, oh, yeah, often I'd be I'd be cooking away and look behind me, and Paul McCartney's standing there, and he's like, "Oh, we're in, the, we're in the best kitchen in the world," and uh, he's just just kind of watching me cook, which is pretty 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 surreal. Um, yeah, often they would um yeah they'd often request different 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 meals. Um, you know, like something that some some comfort food you know rihanna would request you know some some food from barbados like plantain chips and i'd kind of learn how to make those and yeah what brought you back to australia um i've been i was in la for about three years before i've I've been back here about 11 years now but i think just um just i was traveling for about 10 years kind of non-stop just living out of a suitcase and living in hotels. And, um, I mean, it was amazing, but yeah, for the, the last few years, I thought it was time just to come back and I'd like to yeah, start my own, um, start my own restaurant. And, um, yeah, I came back to Sydney just for a holiday and another friend who I've been touring with, um, yeah, Patrick Lalea was, we always talked about coming back to Australia and I'd never restaurant together. So we, um, yeah, he came back a few years before me and then, yeah, I decided to, to move to Sydney, move to, move to Bondi. We're going to get to Flav in a minute, but what were you doing in the lead up to that um, with that exploration that you've had into plant-based food? Yeah, so yeah, I've been touring for almost 10 years by that stage. and moved to Bondi like 10 years ago. Um, Pat was ha- ha- helping up a friend of ours, a restaurant called Panama House on Bondi Road about 10 years ago. It's like a um, Central American-style food. Um, yes, we've done a lot of that. I've been all through Central America, me and Pat were in Mexico together. Um, but yeah, we um, kind of brought all the all the knowledge that would from our travels, and also I spent all the time in Southern America as well, um, then Louisiana. So yeah, we created the menu there. We we're both there for a couple of years. Um, we weren't owners in the restaurant; we just we were just executive chefs designed the menu, and then um, we decided to open up our own place, um, which was called Two and Twelve. Uh, it's like a like an American-style smokehouse, which we opened up in Bondi, which we um, ran together for about a year, and then we ended up, um, yeah, turning that restaurant into a business called Milky Lane. This, the story behind Flav is, um, well, it's 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 not a great one, but it, it's a, a success out of adversity. Um, owners Samantha and Stuart Cook. Can you tell us a little bit about how Flav came about? Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, it's. Stu and Sam um, came up with a concept while they were um, they were on the, a year long honeymoon um, around the world, and um, Sam, uh, Stu's wife, um, she ate a dodgy coconut when she was in Central America, and it was it was that bad that um, um, she got the heart and um, the heart problems, and she had to get airlifted to hospital. Um, yeah, it was a really close call, um, but the doctor put her on a plant based diet, and um, they just noticed traveling around the world there was never any good plant-based options is always like an afterthought or it's just a side salad or just plain pasta. Um, and then, yes, Stu's backgrounds is at Zimbero, so he took them from 
two restaurants to 100 and 160 restaurants. So he's um he's great at ex- expansion, and um in the restaurant game. And um yeah, so they were like, we need to yeah create a, a plant based um, business that we can give good, healthy, tasty food to the world. And um yeah, so then they um they came back to Australia and they um started looking for a chef. And um yeah. And then uh, I ran into Stu actually, um, um, with uh, at a meeting at a restaurant. Um, he pulled me aside. He actually, actually asked me, um, "Do you know of any you know chefs that aren't plant based themselves? They still eat meat, but they specialize in plant based cooking." And I was like, um, "I could potentially help. You know, I, I could maybe consult and do some menu stuff." He's like, "Yeah, well, what experience do you have?" I'm like, "Um." Well, I trained with Gordon Ramsay and I spent about seven years working with Paul McCartney cooking plant-based food and then just kind of dropped the mic. Um, and he, <laughs> so now, now I was basically the first chef that um, he, he, he talked to. And, um, yeah, so we just kind of hit it off and I um, yeah, started writing the menu for Flav, um, kind of I designed it all pretty much from my, um, from my kitchen, Tamrama. And, um, and yeah, originally it was just going to be a consulting role, but the more, the more I did it, the more I enjoyed it and decided to come on full time. Are there any dishes that you can tell us about that, um, that you've created, um, uh, that sort of stand out and epitomize sort of what flavor is about and what you're about? Yeah, for sure. I mean, one of, um, one of my favorite dishes is, uh, Indonesian rendang. Um, I, I was working out in Indonesia for six months in a private surf resort. Um, I just had a, had a break from touring for a while and worked in this luxury surf resort for, for six months with, with uh, yeah, no, no cell reception, no internet, and um, just perfect waves. And I learned how to make a, an amazing render. I mean, we'd make it on a cauldron out back and be cooking it all day. I'd go for a surf, come back and stir it. But that's there's so much flavor in it. Um, traditionally, it's made with beef. And then, yeah, I made it for the first time uh, for Stu and Sam in, in Tama uh, using plant-based uh, meat substitute. It, it, came, it came out amazing, still got flavour and texture. Um, yeah, so that's one of the amazing dishes, that she, which is on the flavour menu. Tell us about putting together a menu like this. And plant-based diets uh, are more common these days. Um, how, what's, your, what's your approach? Is there a, a consideration to try and re- replace meat or um, just create the best dish? I think like variety, like on the Flav menu, we've got six burgers and we've got six bowls. Um, it's all from countries around the world as well. So you've got a bit of everything. Um, we've got some like a classic, um, classic Flav burgers, you know, your classic kind of in and out style cheeseburger with like a plant-based beef patty, a Bud's patty and some lettuce tomato. Then we've got um, the Epic, which is like your, your Texan style barbecue burger with a, a plant-based smoked brisket, um, yeah, plant-based bacon, not mushroom, chipotle aioli. It's quite a, quite a, a big meaty burger. Uh, but then we've got that, the, the whole food options where I've got the um, I've got a Japanese style burger which uh, which has got the, the the plant-based tuna which I um the one I designed in Russia. But that's yeah, so that's like a whole food style burger which is made out of tofu and and, and tomato and it's got an edamame rice patty inside. Um, so we just try and yeah, just just try and have a, the, a variety of, of of different options and different um, yeah dishes from around the world. So has this um, plant based focus that you have for a career has it, has it changed your perceptions of food and and your own diet? Uh, yeah, definitely. I mean, it, it, like for instance, you you, um, you have one of our burgers, and like traditionally, you eat a burger, you just feel weighted down, you feel heavy. Um, you have have one of the five burgers and 
you actually you know you, you don't get those that, that feeling you still feel feel light and you, you can still do things and you don't feel weighted down um but you haven't sacrificed you know the flavor and taste it still tastes like an amazing beef burger We've, we get a lot like like we've had like argentinian meat eaters come in and not realize it's a plant-based burger and it's like added added like you know the cauliflower uh, southern fried cauliflower which they thought was fried chicken and added like the, the brisket and that um uh, the waitress asked how the burgers were and they're like yeah it's amazing it's one of the best burgers we had and they're like you know it's plant-based they're like no no we're from argentina we know what we know, we know, we know our meats we know, it's definitely not plant-based and like sometimes you've got to convince people but i think um you just the, i think as soon as they try the burger and they, they realize like you don't have to eat meats um you know to, to be satisfied i mean even uh, we're, we're just trying to even if you don't stop totally you can even just like lower your meat intake um you know even if you eat you know flavor twice or plant-based twice a week if we can get everyone in the world to eat plant-based twice a week it's going to have a huge impact on the environment tell us about desserts because often pastry is very reliant on animal products um and did how, how did you approach desserts and and have some is there some wins there that you can tell us about of the dishes you've created yeah, I've, I've, I've come up with quite a few, quite a few tasty ones. I mean, I'm, I'm not no no um, pastry chef myself, but I can figure out the different textures and flavors. Um, and I've made a I made a sweet potato brownie, which is very yeah, it's it's it's, it's pretty um pretty good. So it's um you're using the uh, the natural sugars from sweet, roasted sweet potato. You cook the sweet potato in its skin, so it caramelizes under, and you get those natural sugars coming out. And use um, Venezuelan cacao chocolate, fold that through, and yeah, baked off with a chocolate ganache. Finished up with some some berries and some um some whipped cream. Um, but yeah, there's some some mate like there's a, I've got an amazing whipped cream product made out of chickpeas. It just tastes like cream. Um, I've got a um, yeah. I do a do a banoffee pie, so I've, re- I've recreated um, the Biscoff biscuit. But I've made it also all, all our desserts are also gluten free, which which is which helps a lot. Um, yeah, so I do, do a banoffee pie. So I've recreated um, like the Biscoff biscuit and made that into the base. And then we've got made a, um, a vegan dolce de leche. Uh, out, of, out of coconut and coconut sugar, um, your fresh banana and the whipped cream. You got the banana chips and uh, Venezuelan chocolate on top. Uh, we've also got a sticky date pudding, which is uh, which is killer as well with a with a um, salted caramel sauce on top. Yeah. It wasn't all that long ago that um, being vegetarian or vegan was was ridiculed. Um, we've evolved a lot since then. How do you see where we are at the at the moment? Um, you know, through the clientele that you have, but just generally as a chef as well. Yeah, I think it's definitely come a long way, um, especially in Australia. I mean, when when I was working over in the states years ago, there was a, there was a bunch of um, different you know plant based meat alternatives. But especially just I've just noticed the last couple of years, there's a lot more brands coming to Australia. There's some amazing products coming out which you wouldn't even know. I've got these amazing chicken products and just, yeah, amazing beef products, and yeah, it's definitely come a long way. Uh, you've uh, got the Newtown store and, and Bondi soon to open and more on the horizon. Tell us about sort of where the business is at and, and what the plans are over the next year. Um, well, we, the, the, the plans to do a thousand restaurants over the next 10 years, um, which sounds wow. pretty, uh, pretty <laughs> ambitious, but um, I think we can do it. We can definitely do it. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So yeah, we're looking at yeah potentially uh we've potentially got something lined up at the the end of the year overseas and then yeah hopefully get over to America next year and um I think it's really going to take off. How do you get the wheels in motion with such a big goal like that? 
Um, we, you know, we've got, we've got, she's got some amazing contacts around the world. Um, you know, we'll, we'll be looking at, you know, selling master franchises, um, yeah, overseas. And, um, but the way I've, I've set everything up, um, I've got like a kitchen, like a production kitchen here in, um, over in Ride, which basically makes all my recipes, um, exactly how I would make them, but they can do, uh, you know, a hundred, 200 kilo batches at a time. And then, um, so that way the food tastes exactly how I would, I would cook it. Um, but yeah, it's all going to be, you know, completely, um, quality control across the board. Then it'll get sent out to all the restaurants. So you just got to, yeah. Um, I mean, I, I learned a lot with all my catering and just, um, other, other, other businesses on how to, um, you know, compromise the, the quality and just, um, how did you just got to think big? Yeah. You're making an amazing impact in a space that's still evolving quite rapidly at the moment and, and changing people's perceptions. What do you love about what you do? Um, yeah, I mean, yeah, just how reducing people's meat intake. I think, and I just love you know seeing the looks on people's faces when they when they try a burger or eat a bowl and just I just like can't believe it's um it's plant based and and then yeah, um come come back for more. We have, we have quite a lot of um repeat, repeat customers coming back and just yeah some some people are coming two or three times a week. It's just um it's great to see people enjoying my food. Well, Scott, it's great to catch up with you and see what you're up to. The pretty ambitious goals, very much looking forward to seeing that come to fruition. Um, please keep in touch and uh, we'll catch up again soon. Will do. Awesome. Thanks for having me. This is the Deep in the Weeds podcast. I'm Anthony Huckstep. Stay tuned as we take a deep dive into the lives of the incredible people who ply their trade in the food and hospitality sector. Special thanks to executive producer Rob Locke for making this all happen. Follow us on Instagram at Deep in the Weeds Podcast or email us at podcast at deepintheweeds.com.au. Stay safe and be well.